Hello and welcome to the Chainsaw Buffet Podcast. The podcast is just not into it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. Well. That's that's you, an auspicious start. You guys go ahead. <laughs> Dylan? Um, I don't really have... Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Alright, next. I've lost all hope now. Oh, okay, um... Well, thanks for listening to it next week when we might be into it. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, what do we got in the news? A bunch of bullshit. I, I mean, let's 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 be honest, okay? Um, but before we get started, uh, let's do quick introductions. Uh, not that I imagine that there's anyone new listening because we haven't had any new listeners since uh, you know the great uh, influx of. 2011. Um, we don't have any old listeners either. It's true. Um, you know, they all died in the Great Purge of 2009. Um, I am John, the Keith of the podcast. Uh, I am joined by our resident uh, hunk, uh, Chad. Okay. Um, our Lance, Charlie. Nice. I'm good with that. And our uh, Sven, Dylan. I don't even know what that means. He's the one who died. No, uh, no, it's no, the replacement. Okay, Sven, Sven died and had a twin brother that came back. But in Voltron, what they did, since they couldn't have a character die, since they found out that he had a twin that shows up in a later episode, they said he went to the space hospital, quote-unquote. <laughs> so Dylan, Dylan went to the space hospital and came back. And by the space hospital, I mean the cancer ward. But, hey, he's but he beat space cancer. He did beat space cancer. How many how many people can say that? Actually, actually, a lot. I'm I'm assuming that the numbers are are growing and, and things are becoming more treatable. As uh, yeah, you didn't want day, a real answer. No, we didn't. Um, first of all, uh, shout outs to our friends over at the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast. They just uh, minutes ago finished recording uh, their 100th episode. So uh, congratulations to those guys. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yet yeah, we we are. You know, you asked about news. We are not um, a hard-hitting news program. We're not doing investigative journalism. Um, you know, we're going around sites and commenting on links that might seem mildly interesting or something that I might have a thing or two to say about. And then moving on to the next topic before we get to uh, segments. Um, a few things to talk about this week. Nothing of, of import, I assure you. Um, but... Uh, in a surprise to absolutely no one, uh, Marvel is reportedly shopping a package deal of four new TV series to various cable networks outside of ABC, which is owned by the Disney Marvel, the evil Lucas uh, conglomerate that will someday have to be broken up by the government into smaller media factions. <laughs> um, but uh, there is no real word on what these four uh, new programs will be based on. It's separate from the Agent Carter, Captain America spinoff that's being developed for ABC. And as I said, they're being shopped outside of the ABC family of networks. Um, hmm. Not really anything to talk about there other than it's a thing and we probably could have all guessed that it was going to happen. My question to you guys is... 
is there a uh, Marvel character or several Marvel characters that you would like to see get their own TV show? I don't care if it's likely or not. My answer has been, will be, and forevermore shall stand to be Psylocke. Mm. Because British Psylocke Ninja, I don't need to explain anymore. Somebody else take the take the wheel on this. Howard the Duck. He Holy had a crap. movie. Howard... Is that really a Marvel character? It is. Yes, yeah. it is. That's where it came from. Um, Howard the Duck uh, has gotten more love than Psylocke. I, I don't understand this. That it, is true in a weird way, isn't it? It is wow. is very true. He he was he's an iconic '80s thing that happened. He wasn't even mm-hmm. iconic. He was an '80s thing that happened. He had sex with Leah Thompson. I'm has, I, I'm pretty in sure the 80s, that, everybody did. Fact. Being '80s makes him iconic. Like there, we remember no, it. No, Dylan, it doesn't. I'm not saying iconic is a good thing, but you ask people and they will remember that that was a thing that happened. <laughs> I'm not sure they do. Let's. Be, I mean, we remember it, but we're we are the Pepperidge Farm of '80s trivia. Yes, exactly. I I I, I maintain that if you went out on the street and asked uh, ten people who were who lived during the '80s. Um, Especially had their formative years in in the eighties. If they remember Howard the Duck, I, I I think you'll maybe get one or two out of the ten. Do you yeah. do you remember Howard the Duck? How about they, Short Circuit? The Eurythmics? Chainsaw Buffet remembers. <laughs> I bet I, you'll I'm, laugh at this, but you. At some point, we're going to be old enough to have that reaction. We're already it. old enough. Have you talked to anyone in their twenties? Bunch of fucking idiots, let me yeah, tell you. Yeah, but we're in our 30s, and I'm pretty sure in our 40s we will look back at our 30s and it, say... It, in our, in our 40s, I'm going to be actively uh, shooting people in their 20s. Like, I, I have, Some I have, of us I have, aren't that far from our 40s. I have, I have such large disdain for uh, the younger video game and anime crowd, because shit that I grew up with that like I was old enough to know is crap, that's their nostalgia. And I'm like... Really? You're nostalgic about fucking Sonic Adventure? Fuck you guys. I Oh, Sonic Adventure. I was young and stupid, and I will admit to being young and stupid, and therefore I I will allow these people to be young and stupid, because Here... in theory I grew out of it, and therefore they may too. Here's the thing. When I talk about something nostalgic, I'm the first one to be like, yeah, you know what? Uh, going back and watch, watching Voltron, that show is fucking stupid, but it's funny and I have some nostalgia for it. Now, these people are like, Sonic Adventure is, is like the greatest game ever. I'm like, no, fuck you people. Fuck you people, you know who you are. <laughs> if, if, if your discussion of the best Sonic games of all time does not begin and end with Sonic CD, and you say Sonic CD, and that's the list, and you go home, then you have no you have no right to talk about anything. Okay, I where just, I'm the, I'm done. I'm I done. Feel like you're reacting to something here. When did this happen? This happened <laughs> months who, who, ago. Who, who did the bad thing to you? Who, who hurt you? Who hurt you? No, we don't even. Swear on the game console they touched you. You guys don't even want to have that discussion. But anyway, um. Yeah, no, everybody is entitled to their opinion, and everybody likes what they like. But seriously, guys, you know, I, I, I grew up on, on these Sonic games. Sonic like, everything past Sonic 3 is just a complete fucking waste of time and energy. Like, the moment I, the moment it went to Dreamcast, the moment it hit 3D, you may as well just take a giant shit and microwave the disc. 
You know, I would argue that yeah. about Mario and Zelda, but I, and, I, and you would be I right. Think, I think I have a better. I think that's harder to argue with Nintendo games than with Sega. Well, but Sonic, you can't. I know. I I can you do a good 3D Sonic game? Can, is it even is it even scientifically possible? It's possible, but it it seems like they're incapable of doing so. I I would have to agree. I I will say that uh that the whole thing about the Sonic mythos, you know, the idea that you're supposed to play the game as fast as you can is actually the the only reason that those games ever get challenging is that you try and rush through stuff that really you should be taking your time with. Beca- yeah. Because the level design is not conducive to going fast. It's like here's a random spike that uh, is going in the way that you'll be running. You know, it, good it, luck. It it literally is just a fuck you to trying to go fast. So they're actually trying to impede the entire basis on which the franchise has built itself, and it's always done that. I don't understand that. Anyway, we have talked way too fucking long oh, yeah. about this. Marvel, Marvel, Dylan, go. Ah, uh, I really don't care. Like, wow. No, it's not community, and it's not Arrested Development. If they, <laughs> if they had, like, a Marvel spinoff of Arrested Development where, like, the Avengers went to Fuck Mountain, Dylan would be all over it. I... Uh, How about Deadpool? That's... De- Deadpool could also go to Fuck Mountain with the Avengers. Yes, that would be fine. Uh, I mean, Deadpool's a g- Deadpool is a good suggestion. That that would I, I'm just fun. not sure how you would translate his talking to the narration bubbles. I the, uh, I honestly think you'd have. I mean, the only you'd have to have a narrator. I yes, and I think the only talks back to. I, I, I think the narrator should be Fred Savage or whoever yes. did the voiceovers for yes. the Wonder Years. Um, uh, Daniel Stern. Yes, I'm glad you know. I absolutely love. He was this. Uh, one of the robbers. He was the robber that was not Joe Pesci in Home Alone. <laughs> but, oh well, that's nice. Dead, Deadpool is 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 actually an absolutely excellent suggestion. I, I I love that idea. I I happen to think that based on the tone, um, and the comedy of it, I, I think Adult Swim might be the one place you could actually air that. Yeah, but then it would be like a I, I don't know I I don't. I mean I think you, I well I think you a you'd have to do it as a cartoon. I, I really don't think you could do it as live action and. Uh, well, you could, but I don't think you necessarily do it well, unless you did something really weird with it. That's uh, my point. Is well, if it's Adult Swim, you could either get Metalocalypse or the Boondocks, or you could get Tom Goes to the Mayor. You could get one of uh, Adult Swim's fine live-action programming uh, shows in which uh, somebody vomits on camera. See, here's the, here's the thing. Hey, you, you know what, Adult Swim? I'm willing to throw up on myself on camera if you want to give me a steady acting gig. You just don't let William Street produce it. That's... I think I love the idea that they would have that audition, and the the line would just be wrapped around the block. Yeah, I can do that. I I think you could get hey, the, y'all uh, watch this. I can throw up on this. A, a good start would be to get the the people behind um, uh, Venture Brothers. Like, if you were going to farm it out to somebody that already does something for Adult Swim, I I think. Like Seth Green would, would is not a bad option as a producer, and I don't, and I think uh, uh, is it Doc Hammer and Jackson Public. Yeah, that's right. 
would be good options. And that's, that's only if you if you were to say, okay, we're going to farm it out to somebody that already is working with Adult Swim. Uh, but I, yes, it's not something you put William Street in charge of or whoever they do their live action stuff with, I don't think. But yeah. that's dead. I really, I, a Deadpool show would could the, potentially be very good. Yeah, and you, you realize the problem with doing a live action superhero show in this day and age is it's that they've got some guy wearing a leather jacket and jeans and they're trying to convince you he's a superhero. Yeah, that which is a problem. I mean, I, I, it, I mean, it, if it's live action Marvel, it's going to be. It, it, anybody remember Birds of Prey? Nope. Exactly. Um, well, for those who are unfortunate enough to remember it, it actually gets worse than not remembering it. But I think, I, man, I don't know if I can even come up with a better, um, a better suggestion than Deadpool. Crap. Psylocke, that's that's the better suggestion, but well, you know. it hasn't already been. <laughs> I, I think actually, wait. If you started out, you know, let's say a um, oh crap, Excalibur. Yeah. That let's let here's what we do. We have Disney farm out to BBC or BBC America to do a an Excalibur, um, uh, spin a show because. You could work Psylocke into that. Right. Because I, I think she... Well, here's how you do it. You you start off with an Excalibur show where you feature Psylocke as... Not as a not as part of the main cast, but as a repeating character. Maybe sometimes antagonist. Maybe sometimes protagonist. Which you will then eventually spin off into a Psylocke show. That's, that's going to be my suggestion. I like it. I like it. How about how about Great Lakes Avengers? No, I'm proud it's rolling that, um, but no. Thanks, thanks for playing though. Um, all right, so spent way too much time on that and went off on, into some weird tangents. Yep. I'm going to move on to another bit of weirdness. Um, perhaps way too late. But there's a report that Square Enix has created a quality assurance committee for Final Fantasy. Um, the only reason I mention this, um, because, you know, you can say what you want to about the various MMOs and, uh, you know, the other games in the Tetsuya Nomura era, which started with Final Fantasy VII going forward, um, except for Final Fantasy XII and the MMOs, which were all done by different people. Um, but the people that are on this committee... Of all of them, uh, Tetsuya Nomura, the Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts director, is suspiciously absent from uh, Quality Assurance. Huh. Wow. My the 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 sum total of 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 my thought will be, um, you know, there's no act, there's no imaginative, creative, artistic act that can't be bettered by the inclusion of a committee. Wait, Dang it, right? You spoke it. You right. Spoke the words right out of my mouth. That's. I, I'm Designed sh- by committee is a term for a reason. It's, it's, I, a, it's, a, it's a good idea. What could sure. possibly go wrong? Exactly. Uh, nothing that ain't already gone wrong. <laughs> exactly. Like I said, they, you know, what they needed to do is they needed to form a committee to stop fucking, you know, making 17 handheld Kingdom Hearts games <laughs> and focus on making an actual factual game that people outside of Japan will play. Um, you know, instead of these iOS games. Um, Agreed. 
But whatever. You know, what do I know? That's why I host a podcast. It's it's unfortunate that uh that that they stopped making Final Fantasy games after uh six. That's that's a shame. That's an awful true fact. <laughs> it's an awful true fact. You know, here's the thing. Uh seven is actually a, a really interesting game, especially of its time and place. Um but two things, ha- well, there are a few things that have not worked in its favor. Time, because that game looks like hot garbage now. Yes. <laughs> um, and they refuse to do like any sort of graphical remake of it. Uh, two, the fandom. Yes. Like, like mm. just, just, you know, yeah. Sephiroth, yeah. Sephiroth you, is and Cloud are not like the greatest characters ever. They're but, also not gay lovers, but anyway. Uh, yes. Um. Dear yeah. teenage girls, <laughs> yeah, you, you two girl pretty guys uh, are not gay lovers. You guys know what I'm talking about, and also like the eventual several years later. Hey, this is popular. We can make some more money off of this uh, crap. Like Dirge of Cerberus, uh, Crisis Core, Advent Children, all of that. Just no to all of it. Just uh, a big fat fuck no to to all of that. Um, but, uh, you know, otherwise, yeah, great, fine. Um, they really, may, they really should just, n- should not, like, revisit universes they've already created. Well, I, I, okay, I don't, I mean, Kingdom Hearts might work, but it's like, every, since every game evol- in, somehow revolves around the world's about to end, it's like, what kind of, what kind of world is that? What kind of universe would that be if, if, like, every game were set in that way? What this is? I think this is a drama-heavy like, universe. Oh no, man! No, you get tired. It is that universe after about a thousand years is full of overly dramatic people because all the same people committed mass suicide centuries ago when you they realized that me? this was getting tedious. You have just explained Final Fantasy games like you have given a legitimate, logical, in-universe uh, explanation. For why not just not just Final Fantasy games, a lot of games and a lot of animes work the way they do, and it's scary that it it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: I don't mind them revisiting, uh, you know, some of the settings as long as you know they had a plan for it from the get go. What I have a problem with is, you know, like Final Fantasy ten three. You know, it's like. We had no plan to do this, but enough people said something, so we'll come up. You know, we'll see what we can come up with. And those, like, just, just no, just take that shit right the hell out. Yeah, those are always idea. the worst sequels for yeah. anything. On the that's other hand, I, I might accept that if if it were a planned thing from the beginning. On the other hand, it's better than a new Call of Duty, new Madden every year. True. So you know, like they they are doing something right. They're just like. They're kind of taking the middle ground, which does not well, work. <laughs> they're the pro, and maybe they're the problem is that we know that they are capable of doing really great work. Yeah. So we have we have a high we have a high threshold here. We we've set we we they have set the bar high for themselves. Well, and we're also expecting- Call of Duty. You only expect so much. Madden. I mean, you you are not expecting like revolutionary anything. Yeah, but at the same time, if you're going, if every game is a new IP and every game is a this massive epic, like what 
what game company in their right mind is going to give you the budget for that? What game company in their right mind is going to approve that? They're going to go with something that can be stretched out a little bit more. Yeah. You know, and, and admittedly, what something that was planned to be stretched out a little bit more, but just the numbers there don't make sense. People, you know, some executive is going to go, but we can get a better return on this money if we build a franchise. So how about we build a franchise? Well, that's Sorry. Th- that's why I said, you know, if they plan it, it's fine if they revisit the world. Um, Final Fantasy thirteen had a plan. Then they went way off course and yeah. started a different plan. Um. But I think a lot of that problem is that uh, I think Nomura has too much on his plate and too much creative license. Um, because he, he does, you know, Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. So he has ADD with, you know, like seven different projects. And, you know, he starts all of them, he announces all of them, and then none of them go anywhere. <laughs> you know, it, Final Fantasy, what is it, 15? Was literally announced before the PS3 came out. Like, like, it was a different game then. Wow. But, you know, it's now Final Fantasy fifteen, and that's coming out on PS4. So. You that, think? Uh, ostensibly. <laughs> possibly PlayStation 5. I don't know. Possibly never. Like, or, you know. Could jump consoles. It's not the first time. Gi- giant Ray Ayanami may kill us all mercifully. <laughs> but, hey. You know, that's. Them's the breaks. We knew this was coming. Um, speaking of uh, development cycles, um, uh, again, just a, a quick hit here. Um, uh, re- really a no-shit Sherlock. Um, but there is a report that uh, Resident Evil 7 actually began production at Capcom in 2012. And the reason I say no shit Sherlock is that I played Resident Evil 6 and got all the endings and played to the end. And there's a little teaser for, you know, what you think will be, you know, something that's going to be in Resident Evil 7. So, like, them them actually reporting that was already in development, I'm like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> they at least had some sort of plan for it, so... Yeah. It's not the most insane thing for that to be. Uh, that, that almost sounds like one of those, uh, you know... Is Valve doing Half-Life 3? Of yes. course they are, yes. We just don't know when. Yeah, Patience. Uh, Patience. Uh, allow me to uh, break some other news. Also in development, Assassin's Creed 5 and probably <laughs> 6. Um, and at least two more Call of Duties and uh, two more Maddens. Um, all coming to the next gen at some point. People people enjoy things that allow them to print money. <laughs> they, they do it's... indeed. It's it's the strangest thing. Doesn't make sense, but you know whatever. It's so weird. Uh, bo- I thought they were in this for art. Borderlands, <laughs> Borderlands three. Also, you know, I'm calling out on the podcast. It's it's gonna come out eventually. Just uh, it's gonna happen. And you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Chainsaw Buffet, your source for telling you the fucking obvious. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, that might be why we, we haven't gotten any new listeners. I already know this. <laughs> Again, first you have to have old listeners to get new listeners. Or listeners. No, no you don't. Um, uh, you can just have neither. You just have no one. We can have each other. Group on. Oh. Let's hug it out. Oh, let's do. Um. <laughs> speaking, speaking of things that are uh, inevitable, immutable... 
and uh, just going to happen. Uh, the death of the universe. That too. Um, thank you for playing uh, Cards Against Humanity, but um, Black Friday sale paper has been leaked already. Uh, this one belonging really? to GameStop. Yep. Um, Anything good? A few things, uh, including sales on games that aren't even out yet. So if you're planning on buying Assassin's Creed for Black Flag, uh, wait, because it's going to be on sale on Black Friday for $40 instead of oh, wow. $60. Um, for the low, low cost of risking your life and limb to brave the uh, holiday crowds. Ga- uh, GameStop uh, Black Friday is not bad. Um, I don't know why people even release games in uh, October and November. When because they're just going to be reduced price in a month or two. Right. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. Arkham Asylum and Arkham City bundle, 25 bucks. Hmm. Oh, um, wow. Battlefield hmm. 4 will be, uh, looks like, 30 bucks, And that Dang. one's just about to come out. Yeah. Um, Bioshock Infinite will be twenty. Mm. Uh, Borderlands Game of the Year Edition thirty. Um, of course, surprise, surprise, buy two get one on pre-owned stuff. Um, Call of Duty Ghosts um, will be fifty, so you can get a little money off of that. The, the Deadpool video game will be twenty. Um, mm. I'd I'd pay that for that. I I borrowed it from Jeffrey and played through it. It's it's funny. It's not a great game uh, on its own. Dishonored, which we've talked about in the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, that'll be twenty-five. Not bad. Which I think is what it was at Black Friday last year when I got it for you, Charlie. Um, weird. That is weird. Um, really good deal though. Oh yeah. Um, Grand Theft Auto Strategy Guide. Who gives a shit about that? Um, okay. Strategy Kill Hooker. It's called the inter- Internet. Yeah, it's called Game Facts. You're welcome. Do they, do they? Why do they even produce strategy guides and walkthroughs anymore? I don't know. It seems like why? I mean, because people are obviously they only make them because people buy them. If nobody buys them, they won't make them. So people are buying them. The question is, why is anybody buying them? I don't know. Um. If you like Wii U and you like Skylanders and you want to own both, um, they're not listening to us. Yeah, um, they have a bundle with a twenty-five dollar gift card for three hundred bucks. Um, the 3DS XL Legend of Zelda bundle uh, will be two nineteen ninety nine. It's it's a gold. Uh, hey, you should buy this because it has a Zelda on it edition, like they did with the uh, Wii U when uh, Wind Waker HD came out. Um. And let's see, Tales of Zillia, which uh, is a fun game I've been playing through. That's going to be 20. I'm a little pissed about that, but because uh, mm. I paid more than that for that. Um, car- a one-year card for PlayStation Plus uh, for your PlayStation owners will be 30 bucks. Um, Xbox Live uh, Gold, uh, three months for 15 bucks. That's not bad. Eh, not great, though. It's not great, but it's not bad. Um, the Last of Us Sony's big exclusive from this year will be forty bucks, hmm. um, and World of Warcraft uh, expansion Mists of Pandaria will be uh, ten bucks. So. And the rest of your life. And and fifteen bucks every month after that. Um, so. No, no, I was I was gonna say it's gonna cost you like the rest of your. And and fifteen bucks oh. a month. Um. Anyway, so that's some of the deals. I'll post the link on the site, and you can peruse them at your leisure. Um, Can't believe we're getting close to Black Friday already. 
I know. That's a little scary. The, the shorter the days get, the happier I become. Because, you know, when it's like 5.30 and it's black as shit outside, I love it. I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, the sun, okay? <laughs> um, you young people won't understand how, how fast time flies until you get our age. And then you will. And then you, you will be sad. I don't know why old people are telling me I'm, I'm, wishing, I'm wishing my life away. They should know life is pain anyway. Life is pain, True. and anyone who tells you otherwise is selling something. Agreed. Um, Buddha taught me that. Speaking of, of shopping, I just wanted to share this last little tidbit um, before we move on. Um, in the Persona RPGs, there is a uh, home shopping network that shows up on the TV. Uh, it's not really integral to the story, but it's a little side thing that you can do um, because Persona is full of just weird little random crap like that um but on an atlas site they actually set up a ver a online version of the store from the game where you can actually buy physical versions of some of the things offered in game as well as uh just general atlas merchandise wow that's that's pretty cool yeah, it, it it was a neat thing. I thought it was funny that they that they uh, wanted to do that. Uh, all the items that they had that were you know like offered it you know as stuff you could buy in the game have all been sold out. Like people wanted the real shit, so that's kind of funny. Wow, um, that is a cool idea though. Are are there any uh, in-game stores that you guys would like to see uh, real versions of? Like you know maybe Animal Crossing, <laughs> and paying hmm. bells. I, I would I would like for there to be an Animal Crossing uh home mortgage. <laughs> wow. Tom Nook comes to your house and asks you to pay. I'm kind of blanking on this question. Like, what what would I what would I want there to really be? I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one, actually. Because I'm I'm just like struggling to remember, like video game stores. Well, I mean, you could you could push it out as far as, like, role-playing games, like, uh, you know, your Mass Effects and Dragon Ages and Elder Scrolls, but that also seems kind of like cheating, because who wouldn't want a sweet set of armor? That's true. Hmm. Yeah, blanking. Okay. Well, Chad, man. take it! <laughs> I'm completely blank. Well, that used all my answer. Let's move on. Um, Chad, what have you got for us on the dice pile this week? Okay. Um, this is kind of a rehash of two questions. We're already rehashing old ones, but uh, you remember we did a discussion a while back on paper and dice games that need to be adapted into other formats. And this is the reverse. Uh, paper and dice games based on outside properties, novels, TV shows, movies. What are some of the best? Hmm. Some of the worst at capturing the source. I've enjoyed, um, and this is kind of a cheater answer, but they also have, you know, like official licensed uh, versions of the, uh, of the game, but uh, Big Eyes, Small Mouth does an excellent job of capturing the feel of an anime. Because yeah. you you can really make any character um, 
from, they from have, any show in that system. They have licensed ones. Yeah, they had. I have books for uh, Trigun and Slayers. Really? And I think there's a Helsing one, if memory I've serves. I've heard Dylan yes. has the Sailor Moon RPG, too. No. I've seen that at, at uh, McKay's, though. And bought it. No. You know, I, I've never... He's got it tucked away in his closet. never really watched Sailor Moon, so... It was it was awful. It was really, truly awful. Um, oh, was, man, we're going to get emails on that. It, it was not that bad. It was awful. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, another thing that I saw, have never played, and did not buy the, the book for it, there is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles RPG out there. That yeah, that oh, one's really? old using the... Pal- that's the old Palladium RPG. And uh-huh. to be fair, it probably does an okay job of the of capturing the original black and white comics. It's, hmm. it's a little weird in that you can build basically any kind of mutant animal you want. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it's basically you get... And it's Palladium's really their only attempt at really doing a point-based system because... Hmm. You do get a random roll, basically, for your education level, which determines your skills, but your your animal abilities are based on energy points. Basically, larger animals don't have a smaller pool to buy abilities with, but they start out beefier. But you can trade that by trading size for more uh, bio-e, they call it, bio-energy, which hmm. is used to develop your mutations, like, you know, humanoid, you know, like being able to walk upright or having opposable thumbs or being able to talk. Wow. You know? And they they continue to use the exact same rules into Heroes Unlimited, which is my main exposure to them. But they had some weird, and then they expanded it later on with After the Bomb, which was kind of a, kind of sort of a spinoff post-apocalyptic 80s mutant animals and mayhem precursor to Rifts, sort of. Hmm. Um, but I, from what I've seen of it, it looks like, given the limitations of the 80s game system, it looks like it would do an interesting job of kind of capturing, more so the old, gritty, black and white comics, the original comics, rather than any other incarnation. Hmm. And it helps that they got Eastman and Laird to do some of the artwork for the RPG. That's cool. Yeah. They, Palladium got really lucky and jumped on the licenses for for that and Robotech, which incidentally, Robotech is one of the, the Robotech RPG and, and spin-off the Macross 2 RPG are horrible. I believe it. the source material. Um, well, listen, there's only so many ways that you can uh, roleplay jerking two women around. Well, it's more that the system is more long and drawn out slugging rather than the cinematic tons of enemies explode in one shot. Oh, Rick. (laughs) Exactly. But that's that's where Palladium made it big is those two. Hmm. But one of them is on my list. I would say it's on the list of one of the very, one of the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness is one of the better ones, but it's the same basic system, but while it works for the kind of gritty street-level stuff 
in Ninja Turtles, it works horribly at emulating anime for Robotech. Mm. I'm going to blank on this one because I don't know that I've ever played anything that was a, uh, like a, a property before it was a paper and dice. Did we ever get to... Did we ever get to actually use the Serenity RPG, or did we just do my early... Oh, no, RPGs? you're right! We did... I I oh, sat in on one session that you I did that. Did, no, I think we were still using... Before, that was before the official RPG. I no, think we, we, were, we used the official RPG. We did? Yeah. For yeah. one session. Okay. I didn't know if we ever got to play it or if we just did, because back when the series was a thing, before we knew there was going to be an official RPG, <laughs> I... I I know we ran a couple of sessions using BSM, and then let me think what else. I, I don't remember if we ever actually ran it using Savage Worlds, but I was going to convert over to that. But that's an example of it's kind of middling as far as being a conversion. Hey, I already answered. Why you guys... Do <laughs> I, I don't have one. Cause, I mean, I've, I, I, I own somewhere a copy of GURP's uh, Discworld setting book, but I don't know, even know if I've ever cracked it open, quite honestly. And I think that may be the only one that I own. GURPS and, doesn't seem like a very good fit for the. Yeah. Generally speaking, though, I've just the ones that are like existing properties. It's it's kind of weird. It it they don't. They've never really drawn me in. Like I never said, "Oh, that's this is a property that I enjoy." Oh, if they make an RPG of it, I am definitely. I mean, there's not, which I guess is the opposite of the logic of even making of licensing those. Is that oh, we're going to get people that buy it because they're fans of the show or the whatever. Well, well RPGs are a different beast where you kind of have to like they take a little more work to to like play a game of them, so just being into the property isn't enough necessarily to get you to buy a book. Or sure. conversely, it's easier to get new people involved. That's one of the things yeah. that Guardians of Order, back when they were doing the licensed uh, anime RPGs, they really did a good job, from, from what I've read of in the books, they did a good job of making it something that someone who just starting out could jump into yeah, because those books kind of served as they series, were also guides. series guides too, which they were likely to draw in the people, and and they included notes for specifically getting started in RPGs, including a a much better. You know, most companies have their standard. Here's what an RPG is, and here's an example of a scene kind of thing that they've got, and Guardians of Order did a little more with that than than some other companies did, than the bog standard beginning of the book stuff that you see in every RPG. So Dylan, did you have an answer? Yes, I, I actually saw the uh, Chad post this question on Twitter, like, near, you know, like, an hour before we... He also emailed this to us. Did he? Yeah. It was part of the... Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, Who I, was this? It was a I few days ago. I read it. So, you know, I, I, was, to... I was prepared. Oh. Well, I was like, <laughs> I, uh... It really bugs me, because I didn't... I don't remember seeing it. Uh, Dylan, you, you, a... you have an answer, so go ahead. All right. Yes. Um, 
I guess everyone expects me to say Battlestar Galactica. West after last Star week. Wars. Because um, they haven't made a community RPG yet. What? What? Nothing. Love you. Um. And and it, that actually does capture the feel of the TV show pretty well, because uh, you're supposed to distrust everyone. Um. The because I think you had specifically said something like movie and TV. Um, yeah. I think like the obvious, but the most the most questionable board game tie-in were probably the Hunger Games tie-ins, which are technically more book tie-ins, but they were reprinted for the movie, so it counts. Well, um, I, I, I'm including novels in it. Okay. Well, uh, District Twelve was uh, a good um, worker placement game, but after playing Lords of Waterdeep, it kind of feels like Baby's first worker placement. Um, and a lot of licensed stuff does that because yeah. it's 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 the uh, gateway drug. They sell it in Walmart. I mean, L- you know. licensed stuff is gateway drugs. Yeah. Uh. Well, Training Days and that that was kind of like set before the games happen, and then Training Days are during the the tribute training, and it's a bidding game, and it really captures the theme. But as with uh, District Twelve, I kind of feel like I'll eventually find an analog. For that as well, that's better. The real problem with these, ge- the 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 Hunger Games games, are you do not actually get to play in the games and kill tributes. That is that is literally the the complaint I've heard most when uh, I have played these with other people. Like, I want to be able to kill people. Um, well, that's that's um that's to be expected. Um. That's a thing, all right. As far as RPGs, I always loved the Star Wars D6 system. I knew you were going to say uh, that. It, it was extremely simple, almost overly so, but it, it really captured those wonderful days back uh, before the prequel trilogy where Jedis weren't overpowered demigods and didn't constitute half the universe. Um, <laughs> I, met, I, I liked the prequels, damn I, it. I miss the Old Republic, thank you. <laughs> But um, West End was it published by West End? Yeah, yeah. West End game. It it is. I I I agree completely. I forgot that thing existed. I did play that. That one was a lot of fun. I I I remember when uh, you know Jedi roamed the plains freely and uh, you know hadn't been uh, had their their population decimated by uh, overhunting. Yeah, there are uh, there there are uh, photogra- ancient photographs of uh, of stormtroopers and Sith riding locomotives through the universe, just just killing whole herds of Jedi. Manifest it's, destiny. Yeah, and they just left them there to die. It's they didn't even eat the meat. It's of, it's of course it led to to uh, you know really going backwards in technology by about you know fifty years. True. Uh, CG was much worse. Um, oh. Yeah. After the Great Jedi Purge, anyway. But anyway. yeah, I, I definitely agree in that it did a very good job for the time. the The D six system, uh, incidentally, that same system ended up being used in in various forms by yeah. West End for a lot of licensed properties. Um, it ended up it was the basis for the Ghostbusters RPG, which was actually I. Th- think, if I remember correctly, it was actually before Star Wars. But it's the same basic mechanics and same same idea. They kind of, and it's another one that, from yeah. what I've read of it, 
I'd like to get a copy. They kind of did a good job making it an introductory game. Well, it it lends itself to a movie like that where, you know, the mechanically inclined characters and the pilots and things like that aren't necessarily like the second class citizens Mm -hmm. behind like the people who do combat because everything is a skill. Um, Yeah. And that incidentally, that that same system or a modification of it was actually the master book version, which was kind of their attempt at doing GURPS. Yeah. It was used for the Indiana Jones RPG. Hmm. So I, again, could, I've, I've yeah. probably seen all of these at McKay's at one point, or, or some of these at McKay's at one point or another, but it's been a while. I've had a lot of these. I've not gotten to play a lot of them, but I've had a lot of them over the years, and, and there were a lot of them that I kind of just wanted to run in. This, the West End Star Wars is one that I've I regret. I I do regret. I still have a copy. Not getting to play, and I don't think I'm ever going to sell it. I, I would say like Ghostbusters. I did sell mine. I would like to get it. I'd like to get a copy of the old Ghostbusters RPG, but I, I kind of feel like Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would be. They're so weirdly specific about their world that you can't like it. It seems very hard to well maybe well, less so indiana jones but indiana it, jones feels like it could be just your standard with, cult. with the ghostbusters rpg the premise of it is it is again tying into the uh there, there's a line in in the first ghostbusters movie about the franchise rights alone will make us millions you're one of the franchisees that's oh. that's the idea is that you own a franchise in another city and you're the Ghostbusters for that city. That's and yeah, I mean it's and 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 going back to the the Ninja Turtles, it's it has, I if I remember correctly, it has stats for the the characters from the comics, so you could actually play them, the the regular core characters. But it branches out so much into other types of mutant animals, and there, there are so many different things you could do with mutants on the run. It's kind of the 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 basic premise seems to be kind of like mutants in hiding, trying to hmm. trying to uh, prevent the bad guys from keeping it without getting yourself exposed because you're a mutant freak, hmm. and the public isn't going to understand you. And 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 the the post apocalyptic spinoff of after the bomb it I don't remember exactly what the relationship there is I remember it using the same basic rule set but I don't know if the crossover was ever explicit in that it was supposed to be like the future of that universe or not hmm. but as for did you have any other picks Dylan. Um, if we're talking about, uh, novels, oh, yeah. um, the wheel of time RPG, uh, I remember that being great, but that may just be because I was into both wheel of time and D 20 at the same point in time. Um, but the thing I really liked about it was, um, it's magic system was basically third edition D and D as I remember, I may be wrong about that. Um, but they adapted it to fit the highly specialized magic system in Wheel of Time where 
you know, I think you got madness points if you attempted, if you were a male that attempted to channel and, you know, there's a, there's a reasoning that happened. And also you could take uh, damage to cast more spells than your daily allotment, uh, which was basically over channeling. And I mean, this was one of those games that I think I've said before that it's really hard in a licensed universe to try to run a game because you're fitting, you're trying to fit your story within a much bigger story that in most cases is encompassing, encompassing everything that's happening in the world, everything major. So mm-hmm. it's kind of easy to feel marginalized. Um, but I owned both the game and a, you know, unofficial guide to Wheel of Time. And I had this pipe dream of, you know, running this, like, the best campaign ever with it. And I think as it was, I only played, like, one or two games of it. I think it works out for the best because uh, because of who was uh, proselytizing uh, Wheel of Time the most at the time I first heard about it. I will yeah, never, ever have uh, anything to do with it. It's just this... like, no. I think part of the part of the time I was I was into it was uh, like post that it was with like Josh and, and Candace and, and some of the other people. and other people that nobody but us does. Yes, but I, I'm saying that to to uh, it, it was not. Uh, yeah. it, was, it, it would have nicely avoided that. I I couldn't get over the middle hang up. Anyway, um, Chad, you you had your picks. Well, uh. There are actually more good ones out there than than bad ones, um, from what I've seen. I some of the ones I remember reading through and really wanting to do were the West End Star Wars RPG. I I don't know what it is, what I've seen of the the D twenty version. It just doesn't really capture that feel of the movies, and and part of it may be because West End back you know late eighties early nineties they were the first that really helped develop a lot of the expanded universe, which, uh, you know, as a Star Wars fan, the expanded universe stuff, uh, it really kind of fills in a lot of the gaps. And West End was kind of this, back then they were the central clearinghouse. Lucasfilm basically licensed them to be the ones that everybody else writing novels and whatever ran their stuff through. And so all of the stuff from the novels a lot of the references in the novels came from the RPG and a lot of the stuff that was created for the novels ended up back in the RPG. And so it ended up feeling uh, a lot like it was a unified universe. Um, hmm. Another good one, the, the last unicorn Star Trek RPGs. And, and I mean that multiple because they actually did instead of one, instead of like Decipher did doing a core rule book and then source books for each series or, you know, each faction, whatever. They did actual different rule books for each series, including the different types of characters for, you know, the the differences between what the original series characters were like and Next Generation, DS9. Hmm. And they, they did a lot of crossover core books and they were all compatible because it was tough to be the same universe, but they did a really good job of kind of emphasizing the, the differences in field in the series. And the system was mostly skill-based, which really fit in a lot with that kind of Star Trek feel where it's like you've got a particular job that you're good at. And, and it wasn't class-based, but it was it was pick skills. It was pick your species and pick skills, basically. And 
and, and assign your points. And it did a pretty good job of emulating the fact that everybody on a ship has a job to do. They have a, a thing that they do. And in certain, you know, in the mission, everybody's going to have something that they're going to contribute. Hmm. Um, trying to think a couple of other good ones. And, and there have been more, I, my experience has been more with the science fiction end of things than fantasy. Uh, I haven't really looked at Wheel of Time, but I've never really been interested in the novels. The Serenity RPG, I think it actually counts as kind of middling. The system-wise, it's good, but the presentation was the first time that they were doing using the system, and so there's a lot of gaps. Yeah. They kind of got spackled over later with... They came out with an independent, universal version of Cortex, and then they came out with a better version later on in the BSG role-playing game, which the BSG RPG is one of those that it does a pretty good job of capturing the the feel of the show as far as the types of characters that would be present in the universe, but it's one of those that it would be a little... Kind of the, the problem Dylan's mentioned... Of, yeah, of fitting it around what the series is. Well, when feels, you've, got, when you've feels, got such a small fleet. Yeah, it feels something like Ghostbusters or Ninja Turtles, where there's really only a handful of stories you can really tell because, you know, if you try to go outside that, then you're really in a very different setting and a very different set of characters and circumstances. I don't know. I, I had a few ideas. I mean, it's a big fleet. And for, well, for, for, for example, for BSG, it, it would be stretching things too much to say, we, we know that Galactica and Pegasus are the last two surviving battle stars, but it wouldn't yeah. be too much of a stretch to say, okay, some smaller military ships may have survived and been off screen during the fleet. That's not stated, and the, the most we see is some of the civilian ships carry weapons, and they never mention them, but it, it's enough that I can, I, I can get behind it and just say, Okay, the party you're you're some small patrol ship, you know something because there's got to be stuff between like a raptor and a battle star. Yeah, and, and I think Blood and Chrome they kind of filled in some of that, but not not enough for my taste. I guess you could kind of do like the board game and pick specific points to deviate from canon and go well. Okay, we you know the twelve Cylon models aren't actually the same character you know, the same characters you know. They could be someone completely different. So you really don't know who on your ship is a Cylon or who isn't. If, if you want to you go that don't direction. have... Well, that's the thing. Or not even in an go... RPG, in an RPG, you don't see the actors. You don't yeah, see but the you, actors. You can and, still pick up clues. Yeah, well, you know, we, we've seen in the series that some of the models do better jobs than others disguising themselves. If you compare Gina to... Um, Caprica 6 they look completely different but they're the same model and same actress different hairstyle, glasses they're and, and in an RPG as a GM you don't have to describe them as looking like the actor That's and true. the character's not going to know it so it, it's going to emulate that, that the character's not going to know it if you just, you know have that, but it doesn't necessarily have to be Cylons. Yeah, I mean, and also half I, the major conflicts in the series were between human factions. 
Ahmed and some ships and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I mean, it was, you know, first season it was military versus civilians. Second season it was um, Galactica versus Pegasus. Uh, third season it was the core cast versus the the revol- the anti-Cylon revolution. Yeah. You know, or hey, fourth season. Hey, Chad, let me ask you a question. At some point are we going to talk about... Uh, TV shows, novels, etc., that we want to be made into RPGs. I guess we could pitch that out. Wait, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, we like, went the other direction. Yeah, like that. Do we, want, do we have time to do that now? Um, if we can do it quick, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I don't have any ideas for it. Uh, here's here's my uh, idea. Here's my suggestion for one: the National Football League, the role-playing game. <laughs> That's called fantasy huh. football. No, no, it is not, Dylan. Oh no, it is not. Um, because what I have in mind is you will create a draft pick and you will start out as a level one rookie <laughs> and you will go through training camp. You know, you'll go through the draft, you'll go through the combine, you'll go through, uh, training camp, you'll go through the season, you'll have to deal with rookies, drugs, DUIs, you know, there'll be like some sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, valor and, you know, sort of hubris system where you can add points and subtract points and, you know, maybe get suspended for PEDs or, you know, violating the league's substance abuse policy. Um, it, is it bad that it reminds, that that reminds me of the old WCW RPG it, or I, WWE RPG? I'm, I'm incredulous that there actually were, like, I don't even understand no, how there, there were wrestling, role wrestling RPGs, but I don't doubt that it is a thing that happened. Oh, there, there, there is. It was WWE. It was actually later than WCW. I'm, I was misremembering the time, but no, it's, it, it lends itself to it because wrestling is just comic books for people who can't read. <laughs> it's, it's a factual statement. It, yes. Which is kind of ironic. I actually like or soap I, operas for men if you want to be more charitable. The same. I could totally same see thing. an NFL RPG, but I kind of want there to be like a middle step of like an NFL TV show, kind of like the the um the you equivalent mean, of like the newsroom or something, where it's like blending real life. They had they had that. And it didn't do well. ESPN made a show like that years and years ago, back when they were trying to do a lot of original programming. Like, yeah. They had a, a show based on poker, <laughs> and they had a show based on the NFL, but it wasn't the NFL. It was a fake league. But you know, they oh, used you're right. A lot what of, you? Know, it was a lot of rip from the headline stuff. And wasn't that the XFL? No. Oh. Um, that that's something different. That that also goes back to the WWE. Um, but hmm. but I think. I think a game that played like a drama like that would be written could be interesting. It would be another one of these like storytelling games more than a, you know, you attempt to win all the things and beat all the enemies and gain all the treasure. I thought that was the point of the NFL anyway. It kind of is. Yes. Telling stories or beating all the things and gaining all the treasure. Yes. Yeah. And taking not, all the steroids. It is quite <laughs> honestly a pretty good idea. Well, like, your hide PED check. I mean, oh, you, you could fail. Well, not, give me your character sheet. You're out the rest of yeah, the season. Yeah, give me your character sheet. You've now been traded to the Seattle Seahawks. 
Sorry, Charlie. I just uh, it, well, I mean, but it makes sense. Like instead of having a party, you have a team. Uh, I mean, it 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 does lend itself. I mean, like I could see how you could you could you could be an offensive lineman, you could be a receiver, a quarterback, you know, whatever. Like instead of classes, you know, like, yeah, that's why it would be your position in, instead of class. I mean, yes. it really you could Nazi. build a rather than banking on it being the NFL and just cranking out a game, you could, I could see how you could make a very solid game and weave the NFL into it. I mean, a very, a very playable game. And, and secondarily after that, uh, Disgaea, because there are so many class possibilities. And also the fact that the Disgaea games have a, uh, reincarnation system which would allow you to change your your class if you're unhappy with it and the fact that the sky games are intentionally broken in its uh mechanics which could be fun like is that when you say broken you mean you're talking about like going into the weapons or whatever and like the game is designed for you to be able to reach level 999 and then start over with you know a percentage of your stats and build yourself back up to an insane, another insanely high level, and repeat and repeat and repeat until you cannot be killed. <laughs> that's that's the point of the game is is that's... to exploit the system that they've laid out for you as badly as possible. Awesome. I th- I, I think there is, to a reasonable degree, there is fun in that. Like it, it would depend on the group, it would depend on the story. But oh, a yeah. game like Disguise is more about being funny than, uh, as yeah. as Dylan would say, you know, killing all the things, collecting all the things, like all that. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's like big deal. You killed everything. You know, the the point is, are you funny? Uh, can yeah. you come up with something creative at the spur of the moment? That's what makes those games enjoyable. It actually, that, seems really yeah. weird that a game like that or a, an RPG based on a game like that would be um, more about storytelling than about combat. Like, I mean, it would have combat, but that wouldn't be like what made a good game of it. Yeah, you could the, play well, that I mean, with any system. I mean, that would be the point is that, you know, it, you know, they, there might not be necessarily, especially later on, a lot of challenge to the encounters, but it would be about, you know, telling a story and being funny and developing your characters. So, you know, power gamers get what they want, but they also have to roleplay if they want, you know, anything, or else they're just going to be bored. That could be good with the right group. I could see yes. that working. Anyone else have anything? Um, I can think... There's a lot of game of video games, like what you're mentioning, that I think would do well as campaign settings, like Elder Scrolls and mm. Mass Effect and all that. Well, Dragon Age actually is a game, but I don't know that those need to be their own games. Um, in fact, I think it, it almost makes it more complicated to make them a separate system, because then you have to learn the other system. I want to go to an Asari strip club. Oh, Shout-out to Allie Hillis, our favorite Asari. You know, I can't, I can't think of any other properties I would want to get turned into a game. My problem is game. that the I still run on the assumption with any licensed game, whether it be an RPG, board game, video game, whatever, that it's going to be crap. Like so, so my thinking in going like, okay, is there anything you'd like to see made into a game? And I'm like, no, they just ruin it. Why? 
Why would I want them to do this? Well, well this question is based on the assumption that it would be perfect and everything you wanted it to be. Oh, well, wow. The the RPGs that I've the the RPGs that I've seen based on stuff, I a lot of them are are fine. And they may, and and I'm not saying they're not, but I have been I guess more than anything, like video games have just conditioned me to expect a licensed game to be awful. And that's just that's not necessarily a bad video assumption. Video games based on movies suck. That is absolutely true. Well, it does kind of make me wonder, like, there is a, um, and I have not had a chance to check this out, there is a Bioshock Infinite board game. Maybe uh, it's good, maybe it's not. I was the Monopoly man the whole time? Question mark? <laughs> um, no, I don't think you, I think you actually play, like, People who run Columbia, like guards or something like that. Like, like, do you try and catch Elizabeth? Uh, I don't understand. I think there's, I think like you have a Booker and Elizabeth that run around and kind of create chaos, but I don't think it's specifically you're playing back through the story. I think it's more about, and again, like I, like I said, I have not had a chance to watch any videos on it or, or see it played, but that's one I'm really curious as to what, um, what it's, the hell they were thinking. Uh, Although that that actually reminds me, uh, HeroClix actually does a what I assume to be a good job of uh, using licensed properties now that that they've kind of consolidated everything into one game. Like before, they had Action Clicks and it was yep. different games, but they'll put out like you know these small small or single sets based on a property like Bioshock or Hunger Games or whatever. I've seen several, so they're not just Marvel and DC, but that way they can release a set of figures that tie into a larger set of games without, you know, like staking everything on building this brand around a collectible miniatures game for Lord of the Rings or for, you know, whatever. Um, and that's interesting. Anybody so, else have anything? No, um, I, I probably... I'm kind of the same where I keep thinking, you know, any number of properties would make interesting settings, but you could just adapt an already existing system easily enough. So I I really can't think of anything good. All right, well, be looking for that uh, NFL RPG coming to uh, your favorite local gaming store uh, sometime in the near never. Um <laughs> All right, so for my thing of the week, um, what I wanted to talk about is something we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast, uh, perhaps an alarming amount considering how little we actually know about it, um, but I like the concept so much that I think it's worth talking about, if for no other reason than just the concept, even if the execution doesn't work out the way that we might hope. But uh, with Sony's Gaikai streaming service serving as sort of the de facto backwards compatibility for the PlayStation 4 and with other consoles pushing um, backwards compatibility on consoles out in favor of uh, making you rebuy games digitally and that sort of thing. Do you guys see in the future, especially if something like Gaikai is successful, um, streaming services from Nintendo and Microsoft being part of the future of of uh, retro gaming, like do, do you know? Do you guys see potential in 
a Netflix type service where you get access to Nintendo's back catalog. Um, do, do does anyone else have anything? Sure. <laughs> I'm, because I'm probably gonna like go nuts, Dylan. Okay. All right. I see. I don't know. I think it. I think it depends. I think you will always have a group of people that will claim it's better on the original. You know, like playing the original game. Uh, you know, via the original console or an emulator or whatever. But I, I think there's a lot that could be done with that, and I think it's good because it. Com- well, I won't say completely, but it circumvents in large part if if this is something that they plan to keep running. And most importantly, is kind of platform independent, because um, in theory, if you're just streaming, you can run from anything. Um, like it does preserve a lot of old games that would just, you know, be inaccessible. Um, so I could I could see that being uh, very advantageous for Microsoft, Sony, a lot of different companies. I have my doubts about Nintendo ever doing it, just because. And this 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 may be prejudice on my part against Nintendo as an old school uh, Nintendo fan, but it's like it seems like Nintendo's made a lot, you know, from from the re-release of NES and SNES games on like Game Boy Advance um, to uh, the the Virtual Console and things like that. They make like. So much, so many of their releases are just re-releasing their games over and over. You know, this is kind of the whole impetus for me asking this question was because um, I'm trying to think of a way to put this that people won't flip their shit over, but um, I think that Nintendo overvalues their their past life, and what I mean by that is. Um, you know, Nintendo has an excellent back catalog of games, but is Wind Waker HD worth $50? The answer is no, because there are other HD remakes that don't cost nearly as much. And you can't say, well, you know, Game X is better than Game Y, therefore it is worth more monetarily. Because that's not how gaming works. You know, by and large, with, you know, occasional exceptions, Games brand new all cost the same, good or bad. You know, $160 game may be a classic, the other one may be shit, but you pay the same amount for each. And I think Nintendo wants you to pay a premium because they are classic Nintendo games. You know, like, pay, you know, $12 for uh, a Nintendo 64 game where on another service that same game might cost you $5 or $10. Uh, at the most, and uh, there's a disconnect there. Like you can't charge them just because you think it's better. And even if it is better, you know there there's a parity in the pricing that I think has to be stuck. Well, I think kind of the problem there is if you're leaning on remakes, then and 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 you are betting that people are are willing to buy remakes and and eager to buy remakes, whether that's true or not, you you kind of have the ability to do that because let's say if I want to go out and play a cartoony 3d action adventure game where I go into, you know, where I, you know, explore a world. There's a lot of different places I could go to play that. 
you know, there's a lot of different sources on PC or on older consoles even, or newer consoles, where I could probably find something much like Wind Waker if, if that's the genre I'm wanting to play. They can't compete there. But if I'm wanting to, if I, if I love, you know, the, you know, the, the GameCube Zelda games and I just want to play Wind Waker, then yeah, I'm probably going to play, pay $50. Um, See, I, I, I just, I can't agree with that. I Be- think they're... Because I, I can't pay, you know, $30, $40 for, for, you know, a collection of HD remake games that has, you know, like two or three games on it, and then go pay $50 for one. Well, I think it'll, it'll because they have that exclusivity to, you know, a Wind Waker remake... Um, It'll sell well enough. I don't think that's going to be a strategy that they can keep using. Um, I think that's kind of like a, you know, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel and this is going to work, but this is the last time it's going to work. Well, uh, there's a difference between what people will buy and what you should do. And the fact is, is that Nintendo has said it took them six months to develop Wind Waker HD. What they literally did, and I'm not shitting you, is that they looked at their 2013 lineup and said, this is all shit, we need to do something. And somebody said, hey, let's remake Wind Waker into HD. And somebody said, brilliant, let's get on it. And six months later, they had a game out. And they paid, you know, they made you pay the same price that you paid for it when you bought it in, you know, 2002 or 2003, whenever that game first came out. No, for, like for a six-month development cycle. It, it's... It's insane. I know people will buy it. I know people are happy that they paid the $50 or that they paid the $300 to have the uh, the Triforce embossed uh, version of the Wii U. But, you know, it's it's the same age as, you know, Zone of the Enders. And I got those, you know, I got both those games in HD for uh, 30 bucks. Oh, like I said, I think Nintendo is, like, they're... One since they yes they are overvaluing it, but they have a lot of like their, their IPs are worth a lot. Again, I don't think that's a permanent store of value that's going to be there forever. I, well, I think I, I think, think the becomes, clock is definitely ticking. I think it becomes more valuable if instead of, instead of trying to monetize it at every single turn, where you know new consoles out, we need to make you rebuy all the old games. Just have a streaming service. And frankly, I think that uh, every console that Nintendo sells going forward should have, like, Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, 3, and Super Mario World just pre-installed on it. You, bu- you buy a 3DS, those games are on there. You buy a, uh, a Wii U, those games are on there. If you buy nothing else, you have those games. And every console they ever make until they go out of business should have those games on there. Just because it's like, you know, don't bother, don't bother with an emulator. You've got a Nintendo system to play these on. You know, as a as a child of the '80s, I I agree, but I don't know how well that would sell. And I, you know, I I do kind of wonder if it's a if it's kind of a case of like, there's some theory that Adobe doesn't care that you, um, pirate Photoshop because you know, you can use it for playing around or whatever. You can learn the software, but if you use it in a business environment you're going to pay 500 for it. So I kind of wonder if they don't really care that much about emulation. I mean, obviously like on the YouTube let's play videos, 
they were going after them for an alter, you know, there's kind of some theory, I guess, that they're just trying to kind of hijack the revenue stream because of how YouTube handles copyright uh, compliance. Which but, is poorly for anyone which, at home who's Which is poorly, but I kind of wonder if, you know, they don't care that they're losing some... They're, they're, they're losing some gamers to emulators because there's always going to be people who will just keep rebuying the same games over and over and enough to make them successful. I, I think they would end up in the long run making a lot more money as a service where you pay, I don't know, five, ten dollars a month because yeah. at some point you're going to stop rebuying these games. But if they're all on a service and you feel like you're getting good value for it, you're not going to unsubscribe and lose access to all of that. I think it's a, I think it's a better move. I agree. I mean, I totally agree that like if if they're trying to trade on nostalgia, then there is the clock is ticking on on how long like they can use that strategy um, as like one of their primary strategies. I think the problem with Nintendo is if you just look at how they've handled. Uh, now I haven't I haven't played a Wii U, so I I don't know how much it's changed. But if you look at how they've handled online services in the past it's pretty clear that like Sony and Microsoft have a pretty good handle on this. Nintendo doesn't. So you're like, are they going to set up the, because I mean, to do streaming, you have to have a lot of servers or something running these games somewhere. Like they have to maintain that. They have to build the interface uh, for playing that on the Wii U, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, Man, that's 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 expecting them to get their crap together a little well, bit they, faster. They should have than... had their crap together ten years ago. <laughs> I, I know it's a little much to expect Nintendo to be on the cutting edge of anything besides you know gimmicky gameplay, but yeah, I, I I'm not gonna in, in insult them on that, like gimmicky gameplay. But it, I I don't know. I would like to see it happen. Whether it will happen, I, I think we'll see it from Microsoft. I think Nintendo will do it only when they are forced, like, that is the only way they will stay in business. Which could be or, 10 years from now, yeah. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, okay, that that's unfair of me to say that, but I think they will, but it will be a lot slower than, like, Microsoft or Sony would be. That is a factual statement. Um, anyway, Charlie had to drop out to take care of some stuff, but uh, really quickly, um, let's go ahead and do our uh, manager specials for the week. Chad, what have you got? I'm going to recommend uh, Lords of Waterdeep. All right. <laughs> We've got another one on, on the bandwagon. That game is tremendous. We played that last night. It, it, is, it is an excellent um, an excellent game, and hopefully we'll get to try out some of the expansions. I'm I'm putting it on my wish list for Christmas even though there's no point in me buying any board game because Dylan has everything that I will ever buy. Sorry. I feel like I should apologize for that, but I don't know why whatever. you should. You you own them. Congratulations. <clears throat> you you are a valuable resource in our friendship group because you have all the board games. You, wow. you will not be you will not be voted off the island. That that is utilitarian. Yes. What what am I a valuable resource for then? Uh, not killing me because for, I uh, for being Chad, being the best Chad you can be. 
Which is which is to say, a horrible person. You, um, in all seriousness, you ask a lot of questions for the podcast, and you also know a lot of things about uh, gaming that none of us do. You're probably one of the few people that could talk at uh, length, I would think, on Shadowrun, which, incidentally, when we were on AwesomeCast last week, uh, for the AWA wrap-up, uh, Basil pointed out that every time we do the dice pile, he gets pissed off because no one mentions Shadowrun. Because none of us have played Shadowrun except for Chad. It, yeah, I think Charlie's it, played a little, it, but he was like... It's he been a long time it. since I've played, and the the only time that I've played Shadowrun, well, we ended up driving... I'm, I'm trying to remember if that was the one where we ended up driving a car through the emergency room of a hospital. <laughs> Sounds about right. I mean, it's it, it it that was back in the days of uh a guy that was in the party, a guy that was in the group that that I played with in college, who we'll refer to as Tall, Dark, and Balding, um, managed to work automotive destruction into every game. Everyone's got to have a thing, I guess. As 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 he called it, road pool. <sighs> I'm I'm glad I never uh, never had to ride anywhere with him. I'm sure you did. Oh, it. Uh, I'll I'll post the picture I made of his car. Well, okay then. <laughs> the Geo <laughs> He had a he had a Geo and riding with him in real life was scary. Chad, you you have interesting stories of people none of us have ever met. And, yeah, but uh, anyway, some right. of them are terrifying. Dylan, um, what about you? Um, you know, I'm going to take a suggestion um, that was made on the Awesome Cast last week because uh, I mentioned that I've I've actually started reading a lot of manga from based on Basil's uh, manga you should read by right now panel. And he was like, if if any of those you really enjoy, you should you know bring them up as manager specials. So um, I'm going to mention uh, Solonen and Onwards to Our Noble Deaths. Um, not that they're necessarily connected, but they were like the first two I really read out of that um, um, panel. Uh, they're both, you can buy them in single volumes. Uh, Solonen is about a girl who is kind of getting into, like she's a young adult, she's getting into the real world out of school, she's got a crap job. And, you know, she and her friends have this dream to, uh, you know, kind of hit it big in the music industry and stuff like that because they've got a band. And uh, whereas a lot of manga would be uh, egging them on and kind of following their rise to stardom, uh, this one is about that not working out and her kind of having to mature and face reality and it, it's a really good coming-of-age manga. And uh, Onwards to Our Noble Deaths is a story about a particular uh, unit in the Japanese army um, during World War II who are basically sent off to their deaths, I believe because um, they were reported as uh, being lost in a battle, you know, killed in a battle, and they weren't and uh <laughs> so they were kind of considered expendable but um it's really it's really interesting um because a lot of it is just very episodic you know it's it's not 
it's not about the battles themselves. It's kind of about military life. Interesting. All right. So for mine, um, I've actually got a few this week um, that I'm going to share. Um, if you guys are like me, um, you could lose hours in uh, learning about random useless bits of uh, video game trivia. And there's a trio of websites slash YouTube programming um, that I want to present to you. Uh, there's Pop Fiction, which is essentially uh, the video game equivalent of Mythbusters, where they take famous myths that circulate about various games and uh, research them and find out if they are in fact true or false. Some of them are um, glitches or stories about things you can do in games like bringing Eris back from the dead in Final Fantasy VII. Spoiler, you can't. She's dead. Um, or uh, Michael Jackson's involvement in uh, the music for Sonic 3, which he was involved. Um, things like that. Um, was was that back when he was a black man? It was right before the child abuse scandal. And that was one of the reasons why Sega said that he uh, was no longer associated with the project, but other people have said it's because he didn't like the sound quality of the Genesis, and he uh, created the music but did not want to be credited. Um, so there's an, a whole episode on that if you want to, uh, to get into that. It's very interesting. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that I did know. There was some stuff I didn't know about, um, and I went, I went through all the videos in an afternoon and, you know, really felt like a worse person for the experience. But but I knew a lot more useless shit than I did going in. Um, now, there is some overlap in some of these because they all sort of touch on some similar topics. But each one of them also has their own unique stuff that you won't get from the other two. So definitely check them all out. There's another one called Did You Know Gaming, which, um, again, is more on the trivia side, instead of investigating this, they just say, hey, did you know that da-da-da-da-da, like, did you know that Zero was supposed to be Mega Man and Mega Man X, but then they said, hey, that character design is way too different, uh, you can't use that, and so uh, Inafune handed uh, the design of uh, the new Mega Man off to somebody else while he continued to work on the design for Zero. Um, stuff like that. Um, there's also... Uh, one did you know talking about Star Fox, and there's actually an R wing in Ocarina of Time that you cannot access, but it's in the game's code because one of the bosses, uh, his flight pattern is mimicked after the enemy flight patterns in Star Fox. So to program it, they put uh, one of the AI R wings um, into Ocarina and then programmed the boss basically to follow it around like it would uh, in Star Fox 64. <laughs> and, you know, you have to hack the game to actually see it, but there's videos of it on YouTube where you can see the, the R-Wing flying around uh, and Link, you know, looking around. At it. It's, it's kind of neat. Um, and there's also one other website. Uh, it's just a website. It's not a YouTube series uh, called The Cutting Room Floor. And it's where people have hacked into games and found... Uh, unused assets. Some of it is, a, a lot of it, to be honest, is just fairly bland. It's just like, 
here's the sprite that didn't make it into the game. Here's a sound clip. But some of it, like, depending on the game, some of it is really funny. Like, uh, for one of the Bomberman games, there uh, are really obscene voice clips. Like, really, really, really obscene voice clips. Um, so, you know, you can poke around on those sites and find a lot of weird and interesting stuff. Um, on the stuff from people that have been on this podcast front, um, I do want to quickly mention... Uh, the Slants have a petition up on change.org that I will link to. Um, they are still, after all these years, trying to copyright their name with the U.S. Uh, trademark office, but uh, they keep saying no because uh, the term is racist. And newsflash, um, the term Washington Redskins is uh, copyrighted, as is that really, really racist mascot for uh, the Cleveland Indians. So uh, go ahead and get on that. They're trying to actually retake that word. Uh, you know, they're all Asian. They're very socially conscious. They're good friends of ours. Uh, sign their petition. Help them out if you can. I don't know if it will really be able to make a difference in the end because the government is, you know, run by idiots. But uh, do what you can. And also, I think it's on Netflix. And I think it's also going to be coming out through other means. But there is a uh, animated... Uh, version of the Snow Queen uh, fairy tale that features uh, our friend Jessica Strauss and Aaron Fitzgerald and a lot of other famous voice actors uh, that did the dub for it, so check that out. Um, anyway, we have ran kind of long this week, but I suppose it's better than not having anything to say. Uh, guys, thank you very much for, for listening this week. And remember, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. And if it's red, you're dead. <laughs>